Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. What, what do you think about Web3 and Ethereum with the ability to, you know, the, the, basically the future of Ethereum? As, what is your confidence in Ethereum and kind of you know, the smart contracts, just break that down a little bit based upon your understanding and, and Web3. Sure. I think Web3 is is very is a very interesting concept, um, and I think it will become a reality as time goes on. I mean, people say, well, first of all, what is Web3? And probably the easiest way that it's been described um, is Web 1.0 was a, a static sort of website. It was the the the, the the website, they created the content and they owned the content. Web 2.0 is the user creates the content, but the website owns it. So think Facebook. You go in there, you put pictures up there, you put memories, thoughts, whatever it is. The advertising, the eyeballs that, that go on that content, the revenue flows to Facebook, right? Yeah. And so Web 3.0 is the user creates the content and the user owns the content. So if you go out and you make a, you know, an interesting video or post your web uh, podcast uh, up, you've got a much better chance of monetizing that and capturing the benefits through web 3.0 than you would through web uh, 2.0. And so I think that uh, is really in, in, in the grasp of society right now, because the tokenization of assets and the blockchain allows that not only information but value to to uh, to transfer uh, through the internet in a much more efficient way. They're calling so, it the creator economy. That's right, exactly right. And I and uh, it's going to take time for it to to be um, to be developed. But we're, the trajectory we're on right now certainly uh, leads me to think that we're going to see much more of it uh, over over time. As to whether or not Ethereum is the winning platform on which it's built, I am still a little bit skeptical. I think that yeah. Ethereum is definitely the front runner right now, but it's too expensive to transact in Ethereum right now. And yes. we aren't, we're not seeing the types of volumes and, and, and transactions that, that I would like to see. Like if, if, if the blockchain is going to uh, experience a lot of the potential that I outlined in my book, we're going to have to see a chain that is cheaper, that can handle more throughput, meaning it's, it's scalable. It's going to have to have more security types of features. And it's going to have to have a governance mechanism that's flexible and can accommodate chain, necessary changes. And so there's some other protocols out there that I think are definitely uh, contenders that could dethrone Ethereum. Who are, who are some of the ones you think that are in the wings well, there, there's uh, people are talking about Solana. I have a little bit of, of skepticism around Solana. It's, it's um, had some 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 technology issues over the last couple of, of months. I think Avalanche would definitely be one to watch. And then there's one that people haven't heard about as much called Hedera. It's actually based here in Dallas. I really like that one, uh, Hedera Hashgraph. It was started by two former colonels in the United States Air Force. 
Uh, they were professors at the Air Force Academy. And if you know anything about that part of the country, um, in Colorado Springs, there's something known as Cheyenne Mountain. And inside Cheyenne Mountain is uh, NORAD, where they uh, have all the defense mechanisms for the, the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Uh, those two professors, they actually created all the message authentication and all of the safeguards to make sure that Iranian terrorists didn't attack the system or North Korean bad actors, whatever it was. Um, God forbid, if a nuclear missile ever gets launched by the United States government, they made sure that it was authorized by the president or whoever had the authority to do that. So they, at the highest levels of security, yes. have been able to create this, uh, that, that type of um, um, a, a communication system. They have applied the same kinds of principles to this hash graph technology. Um, and it's, it's led to large corporations like Boeing, IBM, Google, um, Ubisoft, the largest software uh, uh, video game software company in Europe. Um, they've all signed up to build applications on this chain. And I think that that one is a, is a contender. It's, it's one that people haven't heard about. I kind of say it's the sleeping giant. It there. gave me that when you said that gave me goosebumps because there were two guys who were walking around, they weren't speakers at the conference and they were talking about had, had did, like one of the ones I went to in 2018. And in my mind, I'm like, slow down. I'm just trying to get a hold of this in the right. first. And they were yep. like, this will bypass this. This is more secure. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure this out, you know? So oh, it's yeah. powerful to hear years later, here it's 2022 and you're saying this. And, and I'm like, wow, I haven't thought about that since then. Well, just to give you a, like a little bit of flavor of what has been um, what type of transactions have been consummated on the Sidera Hashcraft blockchain? Um, the, the, in Great Britain, you have the NHS, the National Health Service, which is the socialized healthcare system in, 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 in the United Kingdom. They tracked all the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, so every time the, uh, a vial left a, a distribution center went to a doctor, on a ledger. let's yeah. write that in the ledger. Every time a, a, a dose gets uh, given to a patient, right like that in the ledger. Every five minutes, the containers that held the vaccines would report the temperature Crazy. back to the chain. So, so they got to get it. You had to keep these vaccines at or below a certain level of, of, Absolutely. of temperature, otherwise they would spoil. So by having all of that track, trace, audited on the blockchain, the government thought, look, we can reduce risks. We can disseminate these things much, uh, much faster and better than we could by not using a distributed ledger. I think that's a huge vote of confidence for a, uh, a technology like, like Adara Hashgraph. Because I think about agriculture and I think about uh, businesses, warehouses, I think about the opportunities for people to really keep a strong inventory. It's, it's kind of an auditory or, you know, an auditor and an inventory nightmare most of the way because you're, there's a lot of and I, I'm not a person who I do believe in the value and utility of humans. I don't think anything will. So I'm not a person that over indexes and just says, we don't need humans. We just need robots. But I think there is a way that the technology can be used to make things more efficient, that you can connect, that you can leverage it for benefit, that people can start seeing higher margins of profit or, you know, more impact on making sure that the deliverables that, hey, we saw not only did I know it was a local cow, but I lived in that neighborhood. I knew that what the cow was eating. And I, you know what I mean? And yep. You, you can know what went into a product and you can be sure that it, you can trace all of that 
the procurement of those products, you know, back to the source, which is what blockchain is all about. And, and what I see happening in the cryptocurrency markets over time is that people will start realizing this utility value of crypto. And what I mean by that is that if Walmart wants to put its supply chain onto a blockchain or Louis Vuitton wants to put any counterfeiting measures into its shoes and its handbags, they're going to have to go out and buy cryptocurrency and use that cryptocurrency or spend that cryptocurrency in order to do that. And so they're going to have to, to buy crypto just like they buy oil or electricity or iron to make goods and services. And so crypto will start being seen almost like this industrial commodity that's going to be necessary to best market and produce these goods and services. And that that's going to be a, a, an interesting moment when the, when the market really realizes that these things aren't just casino chips that people speculate on the price of. Now, I would say 95% of cryptos out there are kind of junk. There's no, oh, absolutely. It's, this is, but that's why I said, I asked where we were in the timeline in your mind, because is this right before all the, you know, you know, cough.coms are about to, is this, is this right? Is this the boom before the bust? And then now it's kind of like they're true players that offer, that actually solve problems and offer value and utility remain. So are we kind of clearing the field still? By- I, I think we are. We're, we're moving from like a, what uh, has been termed a bull market of ideas, meaning, hey, I'll just kind of throw this idea up and people buy it. They buy it. If they don't, I'll just come up with another idea and try to try to sell that. The, 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 sort of the, the sizzle, not the steak. We're moving into this bull market of utility where people are going to start saying, hey, what's the business model behind this crypto? Yes. What, what, what can it do for me to make my life better? Um, who else is using it? Um, those are going to be the, the, the new standards by which crypto is judged going forward. And so I, I see a sifting of the, of the good from the bad um, unfolding in, in the marketplace. So when I started in 2018, it was funny because that's what was happening with the ICOs is you could have a a group of teenagers in another country go and get the Internet, get some photos of some people that look credible, put some bios up, have a white paper that set and raise the money and and disappear because it was it was the Wild West, so to speak. You know what I mean? That people were just excited about the idea of like, this is so new. I want to be first in. And they just jumped and they didn't really do their diligence to say, okay, well, who are you? What are you actually, what is your track record? What value, what problems have you solved? Are you, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm glad that you're, you, you even pointed that out in the book. I'm kind of yeah. most captivated um, by the opportunities for creatives with things like NFTs and DAOs to get almost their bit of agency back as creatives because a lot of times they were last to be paid. That's everything from, or they might not get paid at all, or they get ripped off of what they were doing from playwrights to directors to, you know, uh, just inventors even, you know, inventor. Yep. you had the guy who created the uh, super soaker and, you know, they were supposed to, and it became their best selling product and they were supposed to pay him, but he had to go and audit the books and they owed him like another 40 million back. And they had to mm-hmm. you know, catch them up and keep on for the life of it. But just a lot of things like that, because we don't know um, all the weeds of legalese and how to keep up with the best attorneys and whatnot. I, I'm, I'm, what are your, what are your thinking? What is your thinking around ways for creatives to engage in this reformation? Cause they're, they might be leery of the tech and they're, they kind of got burned by the older business models. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.